Hello everyone, and thanks for tuning back in again to Ginger Gerald, you lucky bastard. It's always nice to know that you're listening, and of course, that you're both following me and passing the pod. Share it with all and sundry. It's free and available to all. Now, the objective of this pod is to be real and gritty and honest. Sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's not, and sometimes it's sad. But it's always genuine. As they would say on Love Island, it is what it is. If you're new to the pod, thanks for joining this growing community. And, well, I'm afraid you've got a little bit of homework to do. You can find my trailer and all the episodes I've published so far, ready for it, on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple, Google, Alexa, TuneIn, Stretcher, Podcast Addict, and via my very own Instagram and Facebook pages. Ginger Gerald, you lucky bastard, really is everywhere nowadays. A big shout out to my award-winning global digital marketing agency for their fabulous voluntary work. I'd better get them a pizza to thank them one day or make them up a little certificate on PowerPoint. I'm sure they know their work is very much appreciated. Today, we're going to talk about holidays. If you live in a place that other people pay good money to visit, like Cancun or Mallorca, like Dubai or Florida, like the Maldives or Stoke-on-Trent, aha, tricked you there, didn't I? then everyone just assumes that your life is one big holiday. People genuinely think that, for example, if you live and work in Florida, you spend all your life in a Disney theme park. Or like us, when we lived in Cancun, then surely we were out in Coco Bongos every night, living at large with the spring breakers. When I was a ski rep in France and Switzerland back in my 20s, all our customers just thought we were on one long and free ski holiday just because we loved skiing and après skiing. Well, actually, now I come to think about it. No, 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 it's not true. Don't get yourself pulled into that trap, Ginger Gerald. Now, I hate to disappoint, but living and working in a place which also happens to be a hot tourist destination does not automatically mean that your entire life is one big jolly. And today, we're going to break that myth. At least, we'll give it a go. By exploring two topics, which I'm going to roll both into this one episode. So you've got a genuine two-for-one package deal. Firstly, we'll look at where a family like us might go on holiday when we live in a popular vacation hotspot. Why do we even bother going on holiday? And what do we do when we go away? And secondly, we're going to explore the slightly more sensitive subject of family and friends taking their holidays to come to stay with us. Now, I'm going to have to choose my words a little bit carefully there, I think, which, as you know, is not always my forte. But let's start with the first one first. My thinking on holidays is this. If you live in the heat, then you crave the cold. If you live by the sea, you want the mountains. And if you live on an island, you need to rush to a big landmass. And if you live in a city, of course, you need the countryside. And vice versa to all of those things. The grass, of course, is always greener. You want and need what you don't usually have. However, like most families, it's never been just down to me to decide where we're going to go or what we're going to do when it comes to holidays. There are a few other people who have voting rights. 
And to be honest, in my case, usually the others are the ones that have the casting vote. Over the years, while living abroad, holidays have tended to fall into three different categories. So let's go through those three categories. First of all, there are UK visits. Whether you love them or you hate them, you can't and shouldn't avoid them. As a family living away from your extended family, then these visits are mandatory and they form a critical part of your holiday and travel planning process, not to mention your budget if you've got one. But I'm not sure you can class a UK visit as a holiday, to be honest, because you tend to need a holiday to get over them. But as they take up precious holiday time, we'll call them a holiday anyway. Now, if you lived in, like we do, Mallorca, for example, this isn't such an issue, either for time or for money, as there are dozens of flights to the UK year-round, and if you look carefully and avoid taking too many bags with you, or wanting a dry sandwich on board, or even the old-fashioned privilege of actually being allowed to sit together, then you can also get some pretty good deals. You don't necessarily have to all tra travel together, and you don't have to see all of the people you feel you need to see in one go. And you don't have to stay for very long. You can take a sort of multi-mini trip approach. Perfect, and a win-win for all involved. However, if you live much further afield, like Ginger Gerald and family when we were in Mexico, then you're probably going to have to take more of a one-strike approach to your family visits. And depending how your funds are and how many days leave you might get, then this could be an annual or even a once every two year trip. And that builds up even more pressure on the trip and raises everyone's expectations. The planning for a UK visit goes a bit like this. When can we go, for how long, and who can have us? Wow, those tickets are expensive. Whose credit card are they going on this year? Do we really need to hire a car for the whole time? Can we do anything while we're in the UK that vaguely resembles an actual holiday this time? Does anyone own a jacket, preferably with a hood? Now, irrespective of planning hiccups, the much talked about and anticipated UK trip tends to come off and the roadshow begins. And when I say roadshow, I mean road show. Wow, what is it about the UK and closing motorways when it gets dark to make them smart. Doesn't sound very smart to me. I've spent eight hours in the middle of the night trying to get from Gatwick or Stansted up to Manchester on side roads because all the motorways are closed and on the wrong side of the road to boot. And even when they're not closed, they're ram-packed with traffic. Oh, have you noticed this? The road surface in the UK, it's always wet. Even when the entire country has a hosepipe pan and you'll be hung, drawn and quartered for as much as trying to keep your tomato plants moist, the roads are, amazingly, always wet. There's so much spray, you can't see where the hell you're going, the lorry drivers are busy falling asleep at the wheel with boredom and you've got jet lag. Happy bloody holidays. However... Let's get positive now, Ginger Gerald. Stop being a miserable little devil for a minute. When you do finally get to where you want to be, and assuming you're still in one piece, 
UK family and friend visits are priceless. You finally get to reconnect with people you've such a close and deep relationship with and who, whether you admit it to them or not, you really miss like crazy. And of course, everyone wants to see you. They want to look after you, cook for you, take you out. Big dinners are arranged and rendezvous where everyone can come together to have a barbecue or a picnic or a party. Some of our family UK trips have been fabulous. If only I owned a private helicopter, then they might have been even better. One year, we took our son's best mate from Mexico with us to the UK. Now, they were both about 10 at the time, and it was his first time in the UK. So he was all wide-eyed and absolutely lovely everything, which was really refreshing, in fact. And it forced us to do some classic tourist stuff, like go to Big Ben, Buckingham Palace, Tower of London, which was all great. However, it was the end of January, and it was absolutely freezing. Fortunately, his mum had packed him away with a lovely pair of woolly earmuffs. I wish I'd had some myself, to be honest. Anyway, we've been doing our rounds. East Sussex and Staffordshire were always on our agenda, and we tended to add in a few other visits if we could. And part of that master itinerary that particular year was to be at Ginger Gerald's mum's 80th birthday party, for which a very pretty cottage had been hired in the Derbyshire Dales. In short, it was a great do, lovely spot. I caught up with all of my seven brothers and my mum, of course. The cousins were all getting on great and it was all going swimmingly until the last night when a bottle of tequila appeared on the post-party table as if by magic. And of course, I felt it was my duty to show everyone how to drink it properly. None of that tequila slamming stuff for us. The next morning, it was raining cats and dogs again and we were a very long way from our destination Brighton I was the driver well I think we managed about 20 miles before T said I don't think you should carry on so we stopped at the first services we saw unfortunately there was a very nice little Premier Inn Express so much to the receptionist surprised we booked ourselves into a family suite for a few hours and all five of us had a bit of a siesta I've never needed one more in my life. Oh, and we explained to EJ's mate that stopping for a quick kit when you're on a road trip, that was a very British tradition. Everybody did it. Why wouldn't you? Anyway, the Mexicans quite like asleep in the middle of the day too, so I think we got away with it. Until he listens to this, that is. So that was the first category of holiday, UK trips if you call it a holiday. The next category of holidays we've taken over the years, I'm going to call tennis tournament holidays. Now that may sound a little bizarre to many of you, so let me explain a little bit. T and I were keen players long before we headed off to Cancun. So EJ was introduced to the famous Deporte Blanco, as it's known out there, very early on in his life. And he seemed to take to it pretty quickly. By the age of 11, he had a top five national ranking in Mexico and was training full-time at a high-performance Tennessee academy in Cancun. And then by 13, and one of the reasons for us leaving Mexico in the end, was for him to take up a place at a very renowned tennis academy in Mallorca. Not the Rafa Nadal one, because that didn't exist at the time. Now, Mallorca has been a mecca for upcoming young tennis players for a long time, and it still is. Indeed, 
I'm going to do a special bonus episode all about our experience of being tennis parents in due course. There's some great telling and scary stories, and not just about tennis, but about life, education, cheating. That's maybe a little niche for my mainstream volume-driving blockbuster of a podcast, Ginger Gerald, you lucky bastard. Back to holidays. Over the last 17 years or so, tennis tournaments have taken us all across Mexico to so many cities and places that typically a tourist would not even consider visiting. And then in Europe, we've also traveled throughout Spain and Portugal until EJ was old enough to travel either on his own or with friends or with his club. So if EJ had tournaments and we were gonna go anyway, what could be better than to combine a holiday with a tournament? A holiment, we call it. Perfect. Well, sort of. Except there was a bit of a family dichotomy. Those who were more interested in the holiday than in the tournament often wanted EJ to lose in the first round. And that didn't engender a very supportive atmosphere. One of our best ever holiments has to be to a small but beautiful little place called Villa du Conde on the coast just north of Porto. Not only did EJ do well in the tournament, but his sister came up to join us from Lisbon and we stayed in the most friendly little hotel right on the waterfront. Four of us, Pat on this occasion, cramped into a tiny little double room. Oh, and while EJ was training, we sneaked into Porto on the train and did a little bit of port tasting. Very highly recommended, I can tell you. So that's Hollymen's. Loads of them, they were great. The final category of holiday, and this is maybe a little bit of a cheat, and it's one that if we'd had more money and or more free time, we'd most certainly have done a lot more of. I'm going to call this category miscellaneous. For example, skiing. On one skiing trip, I took my own skis from Margarita, Venezuela, directly to Banff, Canada. I'm not sure the Venezuelan immigration authorities had ever seen a ski before. I had to persuade them it wasn't a weapon of mass destruction. And another time, one of my brothers was out visiting me in Hammamet, Tunisia. So I took a few days off work and we decided to take a nice little road trip in the direction of the Atlas Mountains towards Algeria. Should be quite a pleasant experience, we thought. All I remember about that little miscellaneous holiday was that we stopped for lunch and then decided to have a quick coffee at a street stall next to a rather brown river. The river, as it turned out, was pretty much the same colour as the coffee. Maybe we should have seen a problem brewing. Anyway, we got back in the car, boiling hot, and the windows were the aircon, of course, and we both turned green within minutes, our stomachs griping like you wouldn't believe. Anyway, We saw a Coca-Cola sign swinging in the breeze ahead like an oasis in the desert, which we practically were. So we pulled in. Now the cafe is completely empty except for the bartender looking at us. So I shout up two Cokes and we both sprint to the bathroom. Now it's a fairly small and basic bathroom, it has to be said. Just one sit down loo and one urinal. Now to my brother's eternal credit, And given the fact that we were both on the brink of exploding from every orifice in our body, he looked at me and said, you're the eldest, you take the sit down. And then the carnage began. Now, I'm not proud of how this story ends, and he probably isn't either. We took our cokes to go, and we left a large enough tip to cover 
well, I think the demolition and rebuilding of the bathroom block, as I'm pretty sure that simply cleaning it was not gonna cut the mustard. Sorry, too many details there. However, two important learning points emerged from this rather sad and embarrassing holiday incident. Number one, beware of buying street coffee next to filthy rivers. And B, always respect your elders. Now, another couple of tremendous miscellaneous family holidays, including visiting the Amish communities in Pennsylvania, highly recommended, and the mashed potato in burnt butter was spectacular. And renting a motorhome in Northern Spain, which we did a few years back. If you've never taken an RV before, then I'd highly recommend it for a family holiday. Now, we didn't do a great deal, and actually we didn't drive all that far, but we had such a great laugh living in the van. Such a laugh, in fact, we created and published a daily video of what we were up to on YouTube. People absolutely loved it. My daughter, R, was the editor and producer. She was the heifer. So at the end of each daily episode, we chant, thank you, R, for enriching our lives. So that's where the snappy little Ginger Gerald end of episode jingle comes from, just in case you were wondering. And then there was the time we decided to be a little more adventurous. We signed up for a kayak excursion in a biosphere reserve just south of Playa del Carmen, uh, near to Cancun. We'd heard that the lagoon we were due to paddle across was crocodile infested, but we didn't really take it seriously until our kayak, made for two, but we actually had a very young EJ balance between us, so we had three of us on this kayak it developed a rather large and expanding hole in its base. As our kayak took in water rather quickly, things got a little bit hairy and we thought we were gonna be eaten alive. Fortunately, our tour guide was extremely helpful, attentive and heroic. Not. He brought his new chica with him and was busy flirting with her and he certainly didn't fancy risking becoming a crocotaco. So it was up to us to bail ourselves out, which we did eventually, and I'm pleased to say, we survived to tell the tale. Anyway, I've got lots of those memories, but enough of my holiday memoir for now. Let's move on to the second part of this conversation, remember? The topic which I earlier described as potentially sensitive. I'm referring to family holidays where the family holiday, the family members or friends or friends of friends or whoever decides to descend on you, make your home their holiday base. Now, don't get me wrong, in 99.9% of cases, having people stay with you as their holiday is a real win-win. Close family or friends who you probably haven't seen for a while come to spend time with you and you get the opportunity to showcase your new home, lifestyle, friends, activities, the full new package that you've got, which very much supports the theory that Ginger Gerald really is a lucky bastard. However, these visits don't come without their niggly little challenges. Whilst you're busy working, or it's still school term time, or there's sports training, or any other normal life activity is going on, you've also got to fit in day trips, excursions, big nights out, big nights in, road trips, the whole vacation experience. Oh, and you have to make sure your fridge and freezer are very well stocked and they don't run out. Over the years, 
I have to be honest, we've been extremely lucky. We're close to all of our family and I can honestly say that everyone and anyone who has come out to stay with us has been super respectful of the fact that our normal life is running alongside their once-in-a-lifetime holiday experience. Like trips the other way around, the closer you are and the shorter the flight for your visitors to take, the easier things are. People tend to come for less time, they're more self-sufficient, they're more confident. They may well have been to Spain or Greece or Cyprus or Portugal, whatever it is, a dozen times before. So they'll happily rent a car or a few mopeds, they'll go to the shop on their own, they'll go off exploring on their own and not usually, there are exceptions, get into too much trouble. However, when your family home, your new family home is much further away, are much more difficult and expensive to get to. And if the place you live in has a very different vibe than anywhere that your friends or family have been to before, then people feel much less in control of the situation and the pressures can rise a little bit. A bit of tension can creep in. We know people who ban family visits at certain times of the year or who set a maximum length of stay rule and people who have fallen out big time with their nearest and dearest when they've come to say, which is very sad. But if you were secretly hoping I was going to name and shame or walk you through the dark and ugly details of arguments and Ginger Gerald's family feuds that have raged throughout multiple generations, then you're wrong. Ginger Gerald's motto on this one is... Mum's the word. However... From a host family's point of view, and in the interest of helping you all to ensure that everything runs nicely and smoothly and everybody has a lovely time, I've put together five quick golden rules for you. Number one, bring over as much booze and duty-free as you can possibly carry. Oh, and some nice UK goodies which are difficult to get like Marmite or horseradish sauce. If you're staying for a week or more, then pre-arrange a road trip or an excursion for at least two nights in the middle. Number three, don't fight with the neighbours, no matter how annoying they are, or the neighbours' kids, and please don't kick their beloved cat or dog. Number four, if you need a car to go anywhere, then get one or take taxis. Don't rely on lifts from your hosts every two seconds of the day. And number five, finally, relax. Remember you're on holiday and don't forget to check in in plenty of time for your flight home. How about that, folks? We're already at the end of episode four of series one of Ginger Gerald, You Lucky Bastard. How time flies when you're having fun, eh? We've tackled what I thought was going to be a bit of a tricky little number today, so I'm quite pleased with myself for avoiding any major fallouts and speaking with tact and diplomacy. I'm going to award myself a little certificate. Now, I've got a great episode lined up for you, which I'll release next week. I've been laughing about it for a while now, and I've been looking forward to putting it together and recording it for ages. It's a little bit different to these previous ones. This one's going to be called Taking the Plunge. And it's all about swimming pools. Now, I'll say no more for now, but keep a close eye on this week's teasers on social media and be sure not to miss Ginger Gerald taking the plunge. Thank you very much for listening. Keep following me and spreading the pod. 
and have a great week, everybody. Bye. Thank, Thank you, Ginger, Ginger Gerald, for enriching our lives. <laughs>